This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 86 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have two guests that are willing to step out of their comfort zones and professional lives, too, to love horses. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month. And, of course, I have my producer, Coach Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Greetings, Debbie. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm getting ready for Easter. I'm all excited. By the time people hear this, it'll be like, Easter! (laughs) Boy, it rolls around in a hurry. Oh, yeah. oh, nah, not, not fast enough for me. I love Easter. It's, you know, there's just no pressure on Easter. You can catch a bunny, you can eat an egg, you know, you don't have to give gifts, you know, You're you know, right. hams are easy to cook. You it's are easy. right. It is the low stress holiday. It is. That's I brilliant. Love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's lower stress than Thanksgiving for me. And I love Thanksgiving. So there you go for you international listeners. You should adopt Thanksgiving too. You it's, should. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. You're right. You, it's, you know, a simple meal, have a little ham. Maybe yes. a little, you know, potato salad or something to keep it simple. It's not comp, it's not a complex meal to be traditional. That's right. You know, you get up, get dressed up in your, in your, in your Sunday finest, if you like. Maybe have yeah. an Easter egg hunt. That's right. You could watch, yeah. you can watch sports on TV if you like, and it's okay. See, there you go. You're just supposed to. I think it's like, you know, it's like a rite of spring. It's, or you, know, you could go to a horse thing because there yeah. are lots and lots of horse, horse things. On Easter yeah. weekend, I've noticed these days. Tons. It's like the opening, you know, thing for yeah. the horse season, at least in the U.S., right? Because it's our, our springtime. I know some people are going into the fall right now. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. I know it's getting cold and chilly. But you get fireplaces and all those cozy things you haven't had for, like, months. So, you know, we all have our things. So. <laughs> you, you've been busy, busy, busy at the show. So aren't you glad that you got a little break? But our spring is like everybody's out buying stuff and getting their horses all cleaned up and shedding. scraping up those sides. Yeah. Shedding. <laughs> right. Lots of shedding. Yeah. yeah. And uh, right now we have at the farm, the advanced courses going on, you know, and we've got all these rescues and oh, Mustangs and everything around. They're either having babies or they, they look like they might have some soon. <laughs> they're, they're all eating on grass and they're all getting, you know, big pot bellies. And, but we're, we're working with them in the advanced course. It's so fun. It is just adorable to see. Uh, these advanced students, you know, of course, they're they're great horse people. They're already amazing. Uh, most are twenties and thirty somethings, but they've probably been at this for fifteen years each, you know, yeah. or more. And uh, they're out there in the IFA gentling pen, and they're just having the time of their life. It's like, well, Jamie's out there, but there's there's several of them out there. Who, like they're away from home. There's nothing else to think about. Think about if you could go back to high school and. Well, nobody wants to go back to high school. But, you know, if you could go back to where you didn't have all these huge responsibilities and uh, all you had to do was learn and all you had to do was play with horses. Can you imagine that? That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So for the advanced course, how many horses are being used by the students for the advanced course this time? 
gosh, they got 15 or 17 or some That's a lot of astronomical numbers in. But I don't know that all of them. I think what we do is we over, you know, we're overly uh, ambitious that way in case there are some, and invariably yeah. there are some that are a little sick or a little lame or something, yeah. oh, you know. That one's got a hoof, bru- bru- hoof mm-hmm. bruise and we can't touch him yet. So he's yeah, not in the course. <laughs> yeah, like that. And, and there's uh, seven in the course. So you needed, you know, a couple horses each. So they may have used 14 anyway. So. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and it's this one. This particular class happens to be supplied by. Um, a, it wasn't really a hoarding situation. Well, yeah, it was. It was a hoarding situation, but it was a rescuer who started off as a rescuer, <laughs> and then he got too many, and, and then, then he needing died. Rest- yeah, and then ended up and needing then- rescued. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and then the neighbors all looked over the fence and went, "Oh no, what are we going to do here?" And so there's a whole village of people that have uh, been mobilized to try to. Uh, work with this this group of horses that's 300 strong that's it's kind of cool though that you guys were able to take some of them in because all too frequently when um when it comes to horse horses being rescued Mm -hmm. um the rescuer is able to look after the horse's medical needs and nutritional Mm -hmm. needs but rarely are they able to look after the horse's educational needs it's true and it's true. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's been said time and time again by professional after professional, and many amateurs do, that a horse that has good job skills has a much more secure future. Mm-hmm. And That's it, right. it's, it's just really cool watching these poor little ragamuffin horses, and mm-hmm. most of them look pretty ratty right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, watching them become educated good citizens. That's right. That's, That's right. So and they want to be, you know, yeah. they really, they want to be, which is what's really sweet about the whole situation is even though they're untouched, um, it, you know, there's, there's intact scallions there and everything. So I mean, literally untouched because sometimes you get the Mustangs, you know, adopted from the BLM or um, something like that. You usually have them castrated. So they, they've been touched, but you know, it wasn't a pleasant experience. when <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so They aren't any more tame for being touched. That's for sure. So in this situation, they literally are getting some of their very first touches mm-hmm. and it's cool. Now, some of them though have some training. So I don't, you know, we don't know exactly what this guy, he might've, somebody might've dropped a few horses off yeah. and they've kind of gone feral again, or mm-hmm. we're not sure because some of them look like they've got a little something in there. They kind of look correct on the rail and it's just kind of cute to try to figure out their stories. Yeah. And of course the, the students are falling in love with their, of their course. Favorite kids. And you know, it's just, a, it's just adorable. Some of them aren't confirmationally very correct or anything and they might not have great, um, they might have to be sanctuary kind of horses, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but most of them are, they're so willing. Once they find out that you're not going to you know, try to kill them, they're happy to be with you. And that's the quick, efficient turnaround that we see in these horses, that when you're able to get a hand on them safely and then start to stroke them. I, I love what Denise Heinlein calls them. He says, I love it when they figure out that we're human scratching machines because we, yes. we have this ability to scratch right in the right spots with yes. our, our fingers and fingernails, which is not as harsh, you know, as the teeth of other horses, even though they're being kind to scratch on their friends. You know, sometimes you see the horses wincing at each other like, oh, okay. too hard, honey. Yeah. yeah. 
Exactly. Absolutely. So, um, you know, they think we're just ideal little machines. And so they'll begin to sort of nudge towards you, lean into you, pretty soon hand their head to you, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> care. they don't get too familiar, but they, they do um, enjoy the touch of humans before too long at all. And once that trust is settled in, then you have to get a little pressure on their head with the halters and and they have to get over that and say, oh, my gosh, I'm going to you know, be hung or something. No, no, you're fine. You're, you get to follow me around with that silly little thing on your head. You're, and, you're not and, trapped. Yeah. You have a choice. Yeah. You, you can rear if you really need to. You're not trapped. Nobody's going to eat yeah. you. Yeah. And, and the, the students are learning the timing on that. You know, that's, yeah, that's the key, all important thing. It's just that pressure on, pressure off, timing, pressure on the halter, pressure on the lead, pressure on the hand, pressure on your eyes, pressure with your body. Go 45, you know, avert your eyes um, slowly. How to move like you're moving in heavy oil, how to unfurl your fingers if you have to, but most of the time they're curled up and not looking very um, offensive, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's fascinating to watch. I mean, we should charge ticket admission to go watch these <laughs> it's fascinating no it's very private and 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 people have come from all over the world we have them from south africa and switzerland uh one lone person from the united states that'd be jamie and and uh, thanks for representing you know, jamie she's yeah she's raving the american flag but that's it so um yeah it's it's really fun to watch and and we have our gently wild horses course coming up too and that's uh, like an open enrollment you know you don't have to have gone to the advanced stages of mm-hmm. the certification at that point you actually can just sign up for these things which is actually pretty revolutionary that we um came to that conclusion that we can do that safely but well that, um, and that's but, that's a little bit of a testament to um the very very meticulous and careful process you guys go through when you develop these courses it's not a case of oh that's a great system and it works. Let's teach everybody. You guys are very, very meticulous about how it's going to be taught, um, how the hearse horses learn, what are potential danger spots, how to remove them from the student horse situation. All that is so very, very carefully thought out that you can have someone who is reasonably unfamiliar with horses take the course and learn about the language of Equus and learn about what join up is um, during the Gently Wild Horses course without necessarily standing in a, in a round pen and getting close enough to a wild horse to um, cause him to injure himself right. or cause him to injure you. Those right. things are very, very carefully thought out. It's not just, um, you know, hang a shingle out and come learn our method. Yeah, (laughs) no, it would be it would be kind of crazy with the kind of horses that we're getting through to I think one of the most fascinating things is that um, there might be some situations like that in Europe, but not too many because they just have horses raised up, you know, in stalls and domestic life and they just don't get to see. They don't have too many situations where there's 300 horses all of a sudden in a field that don't have anybody to care for them. And they don't have the BLM Mustang um, holding pens that need, you know, clearing out either. Mm -hmm. So Europeans flock to this kind of situation and um, try to figure out how Equus looks in its purest form. And that's exactly what's going on. These horses are... Um, Equus pure through and through, meaning that, you know, that's survival. That's just survival for them. And they, they communicate it. They, um, 
they express it, I guess is one way to say it, because not only do you see it in their eyes and in their body movements, but they express it in even, you can see fear at first, and then you can see realization that they're fine. And then you can see they're, they love to go up and meet these people, you know, so it goes really quickly within 48, 72 hours of the first minute that they go into the gentling pens, you can see them already saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to explore this because it looked really scary at first, but actually I'm feeling really good about it. And, and it's like, we're calling it now the, the spa because they like, Oh good. We're going back down into the gentling pen and that's where they scratch me. And they <laughs> a little spa time <laughs> well, for that, me. And again, that's, that speaks to the process because yeah. the yeah. first indication that a horse is, not happy in his work, and in this case, it's it's work, it's in his education, is mm-hmm. when he doesn't want to be with you, he doesn't want to go in the ring, yeah. he doesn't want to get near the jumps, that's, he's telling you something. He's Thank not, you. he doesn't wake up in the morning and go, you know, I'm going to be grumpy today, so my human gets mad at me. Yeah. You know, that's a great bridge to, so uh, like, why are we telling you about Mustangs and, and Equus? Because if you get it with a, a wild or feral or, you know, untouched horse, imagine what you can do with your little jumper who's waiting in the stall to say, you know, hey, would you understand me, please? Yeah. And and there's so much you can read in your horse. And there's so much they read in you, too. It's really cool. I just got this. I heard this stat that 18 feet, they can literally test your physiology 18 feet away, which means they'll know your, they'll know your adrenaline levels. They'll know what you're breathing, your heart rate, you know, probably cortisol. I don't know how they do it, but it's incredible. It's amazing. They're amazing beasts. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, that's a good, nice bridge to, to our guest today too, because we have uh, Teresa Pippen who is um, president of FOSH and it's going to be an amazing uh, story that she has to tell. And then of course we've got the extreme, which is Kate Cook who calls herself an equestrian late bloomer. And she's going to tell us a little bit about how she's in her first schooling shows this month. So. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate, He's a Sugar Bear. <laughs> you know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an Index Fund Advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Teresa Bippen is president of FOSH, Friends of Sound Horses. FOSH is a membership organization that welcomes participation by owners of all gated horses to join and support the gated horse in all equine pleasures and disciplines. 
Since 1998, FOSH is the only org- national organization dedicated to the promotion of the sound gated horse emotionally, mentally, and physically. They want fair competition and humane training and education, regardless of breed or discipline. FOSH has resources for the gated horse enthusiast who needs whose needs are often not addressed in the mainstream media or clubs. Well, welcome, Teresa Bippen. I'm so excited to have you on as president of FOSH. How are you? I am great. Thank you for having me here. Oh, I, I, you know what? We're remiss in not having you sooner because your, your circles and my circles have kind of uh, been going in the same directions for a while, but um, I am just amazed by your background. And the first thing I wanted to ask you is, look, you work at Edward Jones Investments. You're, you're a former director of advanced markets and training at MetLife. You studied School of Business, St. Louis University, School of Law, St. Louis University, uh, economics and finance at St. Louis School of Business. I mean, what was your path to FOSH? Well, I have loved horses for a long time. And when I finally was um, able to get out of law school and have a job that paid me enough where I could own a horse, um, I purchased a horse. And I was only able to own her for three or four years because of um, my neighbors selling out to developers. And mm-hmm. I married several years later and we bought property and the person that owned that property had walking horses. And mm-hmm. so we were thrilled to death to have 18 acres and that I could have a horse again. And so oh, that's wow. how it all came about. Yes. And I now have three walking horses and a Missouri Fox trotter. Oh my gosh. You're gated everywhere. That's awesome. Yes, I am gated everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love gated horses. And and one of the first things that surprised me when I'm, I was researching the, the Fosh website. People should go on there. It's a huge resource. It's very nice. And I was surprised. I mean, I'm still skeptical. 15 breeds of gated horses. Yes. And that's not even all the gated horse breeds. Oh. We still, there are still others out there that are not included under our program. For example, there's Icelandics that are out there. Oh yeah. And so, yes. And they're not under our umbrella at this time. And there are a few other breeds out there as well. That's amazing. I mean, I couldn't even name 15 gated breeds uh, and I won't make, I won't test you right now. <laughs> that's too many to remember, but, but that's amazing. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spare you that yes, one. Yes. It's amazing. And it's you're right. And it's wonderful for people that want to own gated horses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I loved about did, now, did you form FOSH or are you president of it and somebody else started it back in 98? Somebody else started it. Yes. Somebody else started it 16 years ago. And um, I went on the board in about four years after that. And so I was on the board in various different roles for all of those years. And then I became president three years ago of Friends of Sound Horses. Fantastic. And uh, we should describe FOSH, Friends of Sound Horses, as a nonprofit. And here's my favorite part, that you support the emotionally, mentally, and physically well-being, physical well-being of the gated horse. I love that. Yes, very much so. We believe in everything about the gated horse. Yeah, good. And, and there now we know there are so many of them. Um, I'd, like to, I'd like to focus a little bit on the gated sport horse, because it's fun to see what you're doing with the, the different disciplines that gated horses can now kind of participate in. Here's my big question. I'm seeing disciplines that you're putting, um, you're, you're allowing, or I mean, advocating for, I guess, getting gated horses into jumping, eventing, gymkhana, driving, dressage. I love this, but 
the, the, and I want to get into those a little bit, but here's my question is, how do you get judges over that first jaw-dropping reaction? Or, or is there an educational <laughs> process going on for judges to go, what is that? Well, actually, we pride ourselves on our education. And we also make sure that our rule book is really well-written and um, explanatory. In addition, FOSH has a subset group called Independent Judges Association. Mm -hmm. And we have a couple of dozen judges across the country who are extremely well-versed in gated horses. Uh, Many of them hold licenses with actual individual breeds. Maybe they own a license with the Missouri Foxtrotters and the Peruvians and the Pasifinos. And then for judging Tennessee walking horses, they hold their um, IJA license with FOSH. And so in addition to that, they also have licenses in other disciplines and in what we call the walk trot horses. So a lot of times they're the ones, if they're asked to judge a horse show, they will judge walk trot horses, but then they're also familiar with the gated horses that will be out there in the ring as well. Okay. So you typically don't get that, like they don't even know where to put you kind of judge. Not very often. And with respect to our dressage program, what we are encouraging, yes, what we're encouraging our, um, gated horse followers to do is we have tests that were written for gated horses. And because some gated horses, as you know, Debbie, are long strided, like Tennessee walking horses Mm -hmm. and other gated horses are short strided, like Pasifinos. So we needed to have tests, right, that would accommodate both as compared to a walk trot test. So we have our own tests that we have put together for gated horses. And so what we do is when someone has a dressage show they want to participate in, they approach the show manager ahead of time with three copies of the test to ask if they can participate in the test with their gated horse. And they uh-huh. provide a copy for the show manager and for the judge. So, and so that works out really well. Yeah. So they're prepared in advance. And yeah. how many show managers do you know that turn down an exhibitor that wants to come and show? Good point. Not okay. Good point. That was yeah, going to be exactly. my next question, but you're exactly right. I mean, why say no? Um, but that's wonderful. So you, you actually have them prepared ahead. They have their own set of rules. Do you ever get the, or you wouldn't, but does the judge or the event ever get any kind of controversy going or has it been working smoothly? It has been working quite smoothly, actually. And then in addition to those shows, I don't know if you're familiar with North American Western Dressage, but we have partnered with them. Yes. Okay. And they have virtual shows. And so our FOSH judges are the ones judging those tests that are ridden on gated horses. So that has worked out well for them. Yes. I love yeah, I love the whole rise in the Western side. We'll see how it all works out, but I love that it's uh, you know in in a, a new developing thing. So rare when we have a new developing discipline like that that's really taken. Well, there's so many dressage riders out there, too, so it's pretty interesting for the Western world, for sure, to uh, to incorporate. So, how many gated horses have kinds of gated horses have you ridden yourself? I would have to say mine has probably been three. It's uh, my Tennessee Walkers and mm-hmm. um, my Missouri Foxtrotter. And I did ride a Pasofino at one time. Did you? Okay. Now, I yes. this is the the horse part that I just was so curious about because you're so involved. And you, I mean, this is outside of your career. This is uh, probably one of the biggest interests that I see on your Facebook page anyway. And um, yes. I, I'm curious about what, what happens when you get onto a different gated horse? W- what's your experience like? What do you think? 
I guess I'm not sure I understand your question. What do you mean well, different gated horse? Yeah, I mean, you think about the, the Privian Paso, or let's say the Pasifino, which is that tiny little da 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 And then oh, you get... yes. I have, to, <laughs> I have right? to confess, that was probably 20 years ago. So it's been a long time since I've okay. been on Pasifino. Yes. So we, we got to get you on some more gated horses. Because, <laughs> because I really want to encourage people, if you've never been on any kind of gated horse, first of all, just get that experience, you know, tick that box because uh, it, it is a completely different experience. If you've ever been on anything from thoroughbreds to quarter horses to, uh, you know, anything that's a non-gated breed, and those are really different kinds of fields, but um, a gated horse is just, you giggle, I think, when you first get on a new, gate, a new kind of gated horse. What do you think? Oh my gosh, yes. And it's interesting because they walk so smoothly and so quickly. And I was talking to someone not too long ago and she said, you know, when I have a first time horse owner, I usually do not recommend a gated horse because they just move out so quickly and so smooth and in the glide and everything. And by the same token, it's kind of a shame that she felt like that because we have found that their disposition, especially with walking horses, is actually really suitable for a first time horse owner. Totally agree. I totally agree with that. In fact, I think you'd be spoiled. Maybe that'd be the only downside <laughs> if you get on a beta horse <laughs> first, because the other ones feel a little, you know. Uh, but the interesting thing is that you've got a really long strided one, Tennessee walking horse, and a Missouri fox trotter, which are a little bit more short, short strided than than that. And yes, especially yes, because my fox trotter is only fourteen two, oh. and my walking horse is sixteen hands. How cute is that together? Yeah. So I was just down in Brazil just a short while ago, and there is a gated breed down there. There's more than one, but they have the Mangalaga Marchador. And I'm just And they are under the Fosh umbrella. Excuse me for interrupting. Oh, fantastic. No, that's what I was going to ask you. Yes, they've been to our clinics and our shows. Yes, they're awesome horses. Okay, so they do have the breed up here then. Oh, yes, Absolutely. And and sometimes I see them a little mixed. They do have a manga larga, which is not the marchador, as, as that sounds like marchador is like a marching thing. That's their gated version. Um, and the manga larga are more uh, closer to a criollo or a quarter horse. But the marchador, they look very much like a Peruvian paso, but they're a little different again. And it's and it's a wonderful breed. Um, do you imagine that the the gated breeds are actually growing? I know that you're an advocate for you know, the keeping sound horses and it's a different conversation, but I'm, I'm excited about the gated horses. So do you think that's a growing concern, not just for older people, but for everybody? Oh, absolutely. We have heard from so many people that have thought that they were going to have to stop riding because of back problems and kind of creaky bones. And so kind of as a last resort, um, they have turned over and decided to try a gated horse. And now all of a sudden, they can ride for many more years. And you might find this interesting, but um, there are a number of what we call century club partnerships. And it's where the age of the horse and the rider together are over 100. And so you see that much more often with gated horses, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Yeah, well, I agree mm-hmm. with that, and and everybody has been talking about you know if you you want a real smooth ride and you want to go all day, you can get on a, a gated horse. But I wonder if the young people are catching on to this too. I wonder since you're expanding the the uh, education in the different sports that it will um, it will catch on in the younger bre- in the younger people. Would you like to hear a good story? 
Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, part of our sport horse program is recognizing gated horses that are involved with distance riding. And so that would be the American Endurance Riding Conference and also the North American Trail Riders Conference. And we have partnered with NATRAC on several different initiatives. And this year we were at their annual conference and we were very excited because the High Point Youth rode a Tennessee walking horse oh, this past year. There you go. There yes. you go. Isn't that awesome? And yeah. on top of that, the other thing we learned when we were at their conference is that many of the youth with Natrack are riding gated horses. And even though their parents are riding walk trot horses and compete in these distance rides, here their children are going for the gated horses. And so we were thrilled to death to hear that. I am. I am. Because, you know, I'd really like to shift. I know we'll just touch on this one moment here. The big lick, you know, is has created a real problem for themselves in these uh, exaggerated gates and all the soaring and all the, the negative things that we've been hearing about for years. But I don't want the breed to go away. This is what I always worry about when people get down on the people that cause the problems. A lot of times it actually affects the longevity of the horse breed. And so I'm, I'm, loving what you do to repurpose that um, gate into some other beautiful disciplines. And I, so that's a great story. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that you're, you're going in that direction. Tell me about gated equine agility. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Do you know what um, dog agility is? I do. My mom has a little Aussie that she has a lot of fun now um, playing with in the agility courses. Yes, I do. But I don't think a lot of people have heard of the equine agility. Okay. Well, we worked with Sue De Laurentiis um, with respect to this discipline. And so um, it's not gotten completely off the ground. Um, We've not had a lot of interest, but it works really well for people who are no longer interested in riding their horse, whether because of disability or because of age, or maybe it's a youth. And so, but the premise is the same. Um, The horse is at liberty and they take them through a series of obstacle and agility um, courses. Okay. And what do those Mm -hmm. look like? Does it, they don't go to one of those little tubes like dogs do, right? (laughs) No, they don't go through the tubes. (laughs) I'm at the top of my head. I can't think of anything now, but when you think of a trail obstacle course, can you imagine having your horse do that and they're at Liberty? Well, I mean, I, I've been a trail rider my whole life and, you know, and competed in trail riding classes, but on the ground, I mean, we, we do some playing, but I don't know, Jennifer, have you ever seen the equine agility? I have never been to an equine agility class or show that's specific, but several of the um, competitive trail classes that I've attended and been to that are, I forget what you call them, but it's it's a proper trail class. There's hills and bridges and yeah. totters. It's not the kind that happens in an arena. Um, and mm-hmm. it's similar to, and equine trail sports is, is one of the outfits that does these things. And they always offer a in-hand class. And, oh, okay. That's and perfect. to my surprise, they were very well attended and tightly contested. Some of these <laughs> these uh, young gals and guys that do this are very serious competitors, and it's really impressive what they can do both on and off a line with these horses. So I'm thrilled mm-hmm. that you're offering agility because um, it's it's very popular. People are enjoying it. I know a gal, a friend of mine, who has a little burrow. Well, the burrow is oh, tiny. Mm-hmm. And she has a she has a bur- guard burrow that she rescued. It's yeah. tiny. It's not going to go riding. 
Uh, yeah. and, well, what do you do with your borough? Oh, what they're you, so smart. Yeah, okay. and they're so smart. Yeah. And he needs a job. He needs a reason to get trained. He needs a reason to interact with people. And mm-hmm. right here, you've offered an outlet for people with a horse who, for some reason, could not or should not be ridden. Someone who has right. a tiny animal that they can't ride. For example, I could do this with Scooter. Yeah. He's only 13 hands. And he would right. love this because it's very, it can be very challenging for them mentally. And there's nothing better for a burrow or yes. a naughty pony than challenging them <laughs> mentally, right? That's right. This is awesome. <laughs> That's a really great yes, way to put it. And just think about if you're in an area with not real good weather a lot of the years. But you can go out and work on some of these things on the ground mm-hmm. and not have to worry about being on a horse when it's really muddy or slippery or icy out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And, and we, t- you know, we, when we're certifying instructors, part of the process is long lining because a lot of horses will be started at two or three and you don't want to necessarily get in the saddle. And I, we use obstacles. It's just um, not as easy as it looks uh, because we use the double line. But once you're communicating so well with the horse, then, hey, you know, just doing normal things is really easy. So it's a lot of fun. But the horse really, that's a really bonding process. Um, for our certified instructors with project horses. Oh, well, what's really interesting is that North American Western Dressage, Naughty, has developed long lining tests that are going to be released this year. Oh, see. Uh, so, yes. Isn't that, isn't that neat? <laughs> it is. It's perfect. I love the direction you're taking this. And, uh, you know, as president, I'm sure you have a lot of, of input. So tell everybody that, you know, next meeting, yay, we're, we're really pleased with everything you're doing. What do you think... Fosh needs to do to be more effective. Is there anything that you would change or push at this point that you just feel like is not happening? Well, um, we're always looking for opportunities to um, get the word out there. And so um, we always welcome when it's great when our members are willing to go to um, an equine expo um, Mm -hmm. somewhere in the country and distribute our information about gated horses. And I also feel that um, those that own horses really need to emphasize own gated horses. They can do everything that another horse can do. Mm -hmm. For example, so many people, believe it or not, they own gated horses. They say, oh, but my horse cannot canter. Mm. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. So those are the myths surrounding gated horses that we work really hard to um, snuff out shall I yeah. say. We don't yeah. miss around the fact that they cannot do what other horses can do. Oh, it's yeah, that is a silly thing. Uh, we have romped in the mountains on uh, Peruvian Pasos, and believe me, they're fast. <laughs> they can scurry yeah. up those uh, sides of mountains faster than some of the quarter horses. So so I, I love what you're doing. We, we are now deputized to go out there and share more about the gated horses. Um, is there anything else that uh, you've got in the works right now that people can go and enjoy? Are there, is it, are there shows coming up? Is, you must be getting into the season for shows. We have a phenomenal event coming up in August in Missouri, and it's called Festival for the Horse. It's not Festival of the Horse. It's Festival for the Horse. And we're Mm -hmm. partnering with North American Western Dressage, and we'll have several clinics starting on Wednesday, including, I can't think of it. It's one of the Double Dan guys. He's going to be doing several clinics. And um, along with lessons available, and then we'll also have um, Western Dressage tests there as well and judges. And so it's just going to be about five days of fun and music and classes and clinics and trail riding and obstacles. 
I'm there. That sounds fun. I wish I could. <laughs> yeah. I hope people will yeah, support that. Where, where can they get information about that? Is there a website? or? Um, it will be on our website shortly. Um, it is also going to be held at uh, the Van Holden Ranch, which is a historic ranch in Missouri, which has mm-hmm. been preserved. So that makes it even more exciting. Mm-hmm. And as I said, that's coming up about the second week in August. And so we will have more information on our website about that. And what's nice is a lot of our judges will be there as well. So they'll be there to assist people with any questions on their gated horses, help them identify the gate their horses are doing. Because as you know, a fox charter can also do a running walk. And we also see Tennessee walking horses that do fox trots. So sometimes people have difficulty identifying their gait. So we'll have plenty of experts there to help with that. Fun. How fun. And we've got you at uh, www.fosh.info. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes, that right. is correct. Perfect. Friends of, of Sound Horses. And uh, Teresa Bippen, thank you for joining us on Horsemanship Radio. That's really fun. And I hope people will come out and support. Horse is your partner in sport, in leisure, and just in life. To keep him at his peak performance and optimal health, a solid nutritional foundation is key. Ideally, horses are able to graze fresh, growing grasses, which most closely mimic their natural diet. But that may not always be possible, and we may need to supply some of those missing ingredients in today's diets and provide more functional foods. One component of a horse's diet that is often underfed are omega 3 fatty acids. While more prevalent in fresh forages, harvested forages are lower in omega-3 fatty acids due to their more advanced maturity. Obviously, grasses and legumes have to grow to a sufficient height in order to be harvested, while foraging patterns of horses show great preference for shorter, less mature plants. That's why modern horsemen and horsewomen trust Omega Horse Shine to provide a powerful, bountiful source of omega-3 fatty acids for their equine partners. Look for Omega Horse Shine from Omega Fields at your local tack and feed supplier, or you can find them online at omegafields.com. Now based in Springfield, Massachusetts, Kate Cook considered herself an equestrian late bloomer. She had a love of horses since she first started taking lessons when she was like five or six in the neighbor's backyard. Unfortunately, the backyard was in a suburban subdivision far away from any farm, and the horse was a galvanized metal trash can. The closest she could get to any real horses were the two weeks each summer that she spent at riding camp through her early teen years. Fast forward 30 years, and she found herself an empty nester living in the country on a street with more horses than people. When one of the nearby farms changed hands and the new owners posted a sign offering lessons, Kate called on a whim and scheduled her first real lesson. Five minutes into her first lesson on a very tolerant Frisian mare, the perma-smile set in, and she's been completely obsessed with making up for lost time now. After a couple of years of once-a-week lessons, she took the plunge and purchased her first horse last summer. Wouter is a 10-year-old Frisian gelding who was imported from Holland, and he didn't make the final level of stallion selection, so he's pretty good. A disciplined dabbler, Kate and Wouter are turning their attention to dressage and are preparing for their first schooling show this month in April. Well, welcome, Kate Cook. We meet in all the strange places. How are you? We sure do. Thanks, Debbie. I'm doing well. How are you? Very good. So did you get? are you back on uh, U.S. time now after your big trip to Brazil? I am. I'm back in the U.S. Uh, it wasn't 
too much of a too much of a time change. Only a couple hours, but uh, yeah, I'm back on track. Well, it was really fun to meet you down there. Second time we've met, Equine Affair, Massachusetts. The first time. That's right. Yeah, and uh, so I think you're stalking me. I, I'm pretty convinced. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then I saw on your Facebook page that you've also gone to Newport, Rhode Island, and did you get to see Helena? Helena B. down there, up there? I have never actually met Helena, although we've had several phone conversations. And, um, yeah, she did so some, she actually did some work with um, with the barn I ride at. So, uh, oh, so we've had some, some outside conversations as well. Yeah, I'm just getting a little worried here. Newport, Rhode Island, Jackarai, Brazil, and then, you know, now mm-hmm. we're here at Equine Affair, Massachusetts. But, no, we're really good to talk to you, and, and I'm... I'm really excited about getting your perspective on Brazil because I'm fresh off that trip. You're fresh off that trip. And you're an equestrian uh, late bloomer. You described yourself. And That's right. I, yeah, right? And getting into horses, you've got a beautiful Frisian, my right, gelding, uh, that you I do. imported. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your ba- horsey background. Well, I... Um as you said, I had, uh, you know, I, I rode a little bit. I dabbled just a bit when I was a child. Um, always wanted to be around horses, but just didn't quite have the, the opportunity. And um, then a few years ago, just on a whim, completely uh, off the, out of the blue, um, connected with one of the barns right down the street from where I was living and uh, started taking lessons once a week. And I think I was hooked about five minutes into my first lesson. <laughs> Completely yeah, obsessed I love that. and hooked. I love that. I love that. I was just waiting for you to catch up with it, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you, you are riding in the discipline of dressage right now. And where are you in that arc? Are you still pretty, pretty new? Oh, yes. Yes, we are extremely new. In fact, we'll be doing our first uh, training test the end of April. Oh, perfect. A little schooling show you've yes. got coming up. Is it close by? It's it's actually at Mount Holyoke College, which is my alma mater. So it'll be like uh, going home a little bit. Oh, that's good. First time for yeah. Wooda. Are you going to do any dry runs? Are you going to throw him in the trailer and take him out there? Or is that where he normally well, he before I before uh, Wooter came to me last summer, he uh, he was a bit of a show horse, so he he's far more experienced than I am. <laughs> okay, so he's he gonna kinda, put you he on the trail. He's that's <laughs> right. He's gonna test me out. <laughs> I love Frisians, and actually, it's it's my dad's uh, Bonnie Roberts, one of his favorite breeds, just because they're so gorgeous and they're so sweet, uh, and they they come from. Uh, Aren't they a pooling background? Didn't they pull the carriages in Holland and and yes. probably Europe, all over Europe? Yeah, beautiful breed and big and and nicely suited for dressage. Beautiful ride. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. They're um, they're just they're they're absolutely stunning. And it was just by plain luck that I happened to stumble into a Frisian barn of all places. It certainly yeah. wasn't intentional, but uh, here I am now with my Frisian and uh, really enjoying him and, and enjoying learning more about the breed. It's a very uh, welcoming group. They're always, uh, you know, happy to share any knowledge they have. And, and, you know, that's nice being a beginner, having that kind of um, welcome environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you've got this 10 year old Frisian gelding imported from Holland. What's his full name now? 
It's it was Wooter long. Van, Van Pad, yes. yes. Wooter Van and I'm, Pad. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it in the proper <laughs> Dutch accent. <laughs> I wouldn't have an accent to, to help you with either, so I don't know. <laughs> but that's great because that is, that's Epicenter. For, and, and how did you end up importing as opposed to buying one locally? Well, actually, he came from Maine. He had been imported, um, I think, as a three-year-old, I believe. He came over from the Netherlands. Okay, great, great. And are you ever planning on uh, putting a, a wagon behind him or any kind of carriage? Or are you always going to go? No, I think he'll, he, he, had a, he had an accident at one point so, with a carriage. So he's a little, uh, he, he's not too uh, keen on carriages at this point. So Okay, well, just don't yeah. ever look like a carriage then when you climb up on top of him. That'll be keeping you safe. <laughs> no, yes. But that sounds fun. So now tell me how you end up in Brazil when we, we see each other in a little spot called Jacarai, which is outside of Sao Paulo. That's right. That's right. I was down um, just coincidentally on a family trip. Um, there were about six of us that went down um, to visit my brother-in-law's family. My brother-in-law is Brazilian. Oh. And uh, so we were in, in the country to, uh, to tour, to spend some time with his family uh, down outside Sao Paulo. And then we went up to Rio and spent um, several days up there, which is just, it's, it's just so beautiful. Such a beautiful that's country. Okay. It, it really is, and you've only seen really two parts. But have you been down here, be- down there before? No, it was my first time. Oh, congratulations! Do you get into the rhythm of the language a little bit? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I didn't, I didn't speak a lot of Portuguese, and I probably know enough Spanish to get by conversationally. And I thought that would kind of help me out, yeah. <laughs> but I found that it was a little, um, a little misleading it, <laughs> I agree with you yeah <laughs> okay so since you're you're fresh off the boat here now get, getting back how do you say gr- how do you say thank you in Spanish I almost said it how do you say thank you uh, in Spanish in Spanish gracias and it's so close how do you say thank you in Portuguese obrigada that's not close what is not that close at mean, all. <laughs> that's where I started with that and I'm like it, no Spanish is not going to help me down here at all. <laughs> no, but they will say um, hola, which is similar yeah. to hello in Spanish, right? Or hi. That's, that's true. That's, you know, there are so you a get lot. That, of, yeah, you get that confidence and then, yeah. and then it gets blown right out of the water. <laughs> that's right. Just enough to be dangerous. And then, yeah, that's true. That's true. But you got around fine. I and mean, when I saw you, you found your way out to the country. Did that surprise you about how rural one hour or hour and whatever it is half an hour um outside of sao paulo which is the second largest city on earth that there would be a remote place like jacarai i had no idea no idea mm-hmm. and 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 the road going out to the ranch was just <laughs> amazing <laughs> and you were in a shuttle <laughs> did you ever get to see any of the capybaras while you were driving along that road no no yeah. They have them along the river there. They're quite mm-hmm. astonishing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- those for who don't know, it's the largest rodent on earth. And they look like pigs out in a field, but they're actually a huge, huge rodent rat. It's yes, very- no, un- un- unfortunately, I didn't get to see those. But, <laughs> oh, uh, it's too bad. I did yeah, but- see this, this animal that is, uh, it's sort of a cross between a monkey and a squirrel. I think it's yes. called a miko. Oh, yeah, it looks like goodness. a little, it's like a little squirrel with almost a koala bear head. 
Oh, it sounds adorable. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, it was really cool. So we were in uh, a rainforest, actually, when we were out in Jackariah, you and I. And uh, above us was, um, oh, gosh, we've seen toucans and we've seen um, a a lot of strange little squirrely looking things, probably one of those Mika things. But um, it's, Mm -hmm. it's really a beautiful area. It rained every day and had a little lightning in the afternoons. And but were you there? To, to just do this on the side or, or is your family horsey too? No, my family is not horsey at all. Um, and it just, it just was a complete coincidence that um, I was looking at the, um, at the online university, which I'm a member of and oh, happened to see Monty's calendar and that he was going to be in Brazil. And I thought, Oh, I'm going to be in Brazil. Oh, and sure cool. enough, when I checked the dates matched, that so was I, said, perfect. Well, I have to go. You were so brave because really this is a group of, I know dad spoke English through the whole thing. He doesn't speak Portuguese, but it was translated for everyone. But then those on those occasions when uh, like Eduardo Moreira, who was there as part of the promotion, uh, when he gave his talks, you and I both looked at each other like, what is he saying? I don't know. Right. They didn't have <laughs> translations for us. Right. No, um, no. So we kind of pulled it aside. But but what I wanted to get to was you pulled me aside at one point and whispered in my ear like it's so different to see it in person. And I'd Absolutely. love for you to expand on that a little. Yeah, you know, it, I've seen, the, I've watched the videos, I've read the books, but seeing it in person was just a different experience. And I think, um, you know, maybe we just don't have the technology yet to capture it, but to see the horses and um, and how visibly almost you can almost sense their and see their anxiety in the muscles and mm-hmm. and um you know in their breath and how they're breathing and then after the join up it's a completely different experience and mm-hmm. you know they just are so relaxed and so calm and and um you know it's interesting you're talking about the language and and one of the reflections that I had after the trip to Brazil when I came back to the US um and and could hear my native tongue and hear people speaking English, it was, it was kind of this moment of realization that, oh, okay, you know, I know what people are talking about. I'm comfortable in this language. And I thought it must be a very similar experience for the horse and a join up, right? Yeah. That's beautiful. Beautifully said. Yeah, I, I, it is like that relaxation of I understand you and you understand me a little bit. Um, but that's that's a wonderful observation. Um, and coming back, it was nice just to walk into a Starbucks or, you know, a, a familiar territory. Right. right? right. <laughs> Whatever. But yeah, the um, we maybe should describe some of the horses that dad worked with down there. Yeah, well, the first one that I remember, I think her name was Juliet, and mm. she was the first one that uh, he did the the join up and um, had Joanna, the the live um, rider, within. I don't know, under thirty minutes. It was just incredible to see the transformation in the horse and how um, how you know clearly anxious she was early on and even even when the first saddle went on with the um with the dummy she -hmm. was still feeling a bit of anxiety but but clearly within minutes was so relaxed and um you know able to accept joanna um 
just beautifully. It was it was really magical to see that and to to see um, to see the join up in person in yeah. that way. And so we should say that Juliet had never had a saddle and bridle on. She'd had she was halter started, and right. she yeah probably three years old, four years old, maybe something like that, right out of the fields. And um, the dummy was not Joanna. That was we have a our doll. It's the brand, but it's a it's a dummy rider. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so Dad put her up uh, or put our doll up first. And I think didn't Juliet. She she took a few little leaps, I think, um, as she I recall. Sure she sure did was with the quiet. dummy. Yeah, she did. She was not. She was not completely convinced at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it was a new one for her, and and it wasn't the cinching. It was really the movement by the hour. And you never know when he does that first cinching up. Is it going to be that girth that sets them off? Uh, you know that mm-hmm. that feeling of of a girth the first time, or is it going to be? Um, the weight, but the Ardal doesn't weigh much, but still anything above their back, that's pretty unnatural for them. Um, but I, th- I think one of the most amazing things that I never quite get over is how quickly if they buck with the Ardal, which not all of them do even, but if they do, how quickly they don't with an actual living rider like Joanna got up there and just went quiet and then she went quiet. So I think there's, there's something, I don't know if they acclimate that quickly or if they understand that that's a living being. And I, I give them some credit for knowing that they're protecting something up on their back at this point, that it's not going to hurt them. They lived through the the first experience five minutes ago, but what do you, what do you think? I mean, I saw their demeanor change each horse that he started. Oh yeah, each one it was it was um you know and I and I go back to that moment of of you know hearing your own language and and just sort of that sense of peace that comes over you and it just it has to be the same experience for for the horses and um it was just incredible to see and it was I I think I think there were five different horses that we um that that your dad worked with that day and each one of them it was it was just like clockwork he he was able to um to really speak their language and and earn their trust in a way Mm. that um was just incredible to see Mm. and it's so much about the timing but it's also his physiology and he would go up another five flukes in a row look at that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot of people a lot of people think oh well that was lucky okay let's see the next one and you know i i'm very rare, actually, that people get to see like five horses in a row to do an all-day thing like that. I'm glad you got to see yeah, that. Yeah, it was. I'm so happy that I was able to see it and and to to hear him speak and and work. It was just an incredible experience, and and to do it in a place like Brazil was was a lot of fun as well. Yeah, that always helps to have a, a fun environment. But were you surprised? This has changed quite a bit too. But were you surprised at how many? men were in the room compared to most equestrian events that you go to? You know, I wrote down some of my notes afterwards, just reflections to, to, to just help jog my memory. And that was one of them that most of the clinics that I go to are either all women or mostly women. And this was a good mix. I was very surprised by that. I was also surprised by how many people raised their hand and and don't have anything to do with horses, but are there to learn the techniques uh, in terms of of, um, using them with people. That was pretty incredible to me, too. 
You know, and that didn't happen so fast in the U.S., I have to say, and maybe even a lot of countries that dad's gone to. I think that's why he's so intrigued and so encouraged by Brazil, because they get the transformation really quickly. I I don't know. It's partly that they live such a rural, there's such an agricultural base to them. First of all, they really respect animals and what, you know, the the outside of a horse says for the inside of a man, the old saying goes. But mm-hmm. They, they also are looking, I think, to climb out of that third world reputation, maybe, you know, that some people still have on them. And, uh, and it's, it's really, it's really gratifying to see, but you know, they're used the, I think the very first time we were in that room, they've expanded, it's better now, but, um, I think there were two or three women, that's it. And there's wow. know, more than, more than 50 or 60 people in the room. So, so yeah, it's, and one lady has come back this last weekend. I don't sure if she was on the day that you were there, Sonia, she's a veterinarian. She's got all this education and she said something really profound to me. Um, the first time I met her and now she's gone on to help our, our one certified instructor, Miguel Lupiano in Brasilia. Uh, with the kids. So she's gone into the human to human aspect of it. Being a veterinarian, though, she's making that transition to people. But she said to me, you know, don't tell anybody, but <laughs> the the men down here don't think the women can handle it because they're not strong enough. And what I love about these concepts is you don't have to be because you're not arm wrestling with the horse, you know. Exactly. It's not a physical experience. It's more of a mental, emotional experience. Yeah, just like you said, it's the language. So, it, right, yeah, so right, learning the language. Right. So, does it make you want to learn the language a little bit better? It does. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one other thing I just wanted to share, there was a, a gentleman that I had lunch with who, who spoke a little English, so we were able to, to communicate a bit. And he was a, um, he is a veterinarian uh, surgeon. Mm down in Sao Paulo, and he was there. He works with dogs and cats, small animals. He doesn't work with with, um, large animals, but he was there because he wanted to learn some of these techniques so that he can deal better with um, the owners of the animals that he treats. Wow. That's a new one for me, Kate. Thank you. Yeah. I wanted to make sure I shared that with you. I thought Mm -hmm. that was pretty incredible. Yeah, because ultimately, Dad always says, you know, the horses are fine. <laughs> we got to work on the people. <laughs> you the people. know, the more we understand, the better those horses get. It's just that's a, right. That's right. Yeah. And you know, I, I think I walk away with it from from the experience with um, uh, enough confidence to to give it a try myself. And uh, unfortunately, when I came home up in the Northeast, we had about twenty inches of fresh oh, snow in our round pen. Right. <laughs> <But> <laughs> well, you have by one though. Weekend, yes. Yes, yeah. so hopefully by this weekend it'll be melted enough that I can uh, get Mr. Wooter out there and, and we're going to give it a shot. Oh, well, make a little video. By, with somebody grab your phone or something. I would love to see Wooter's first join up. And don't worry about it. You, you can't screw it up, okay? All right? I don't okay. want you to get all conscious about it because it's their language. So if you don't speak it, he won't respond. But if you do, he will. And and there are varying degrees of that. But, uh, you know, that that's one thing some people fear of doing it the first time is I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to confuse him or whatever. Never mind. He knows his language. You just have to kind of catch up. And, and it is a language. So you remember, you didn't learn Portuguese in a day. <laughs> you kind of got to right. learn join up in a day too. But it is a simple language. And if we can get our physiology right, so you know now to keep your heart rate low and breathe deeply and push your belt buckle out. And and uh, Jen's done this. Uh, producer Jen here has uh, 
done her join-ups now, and I know Helena B., we mentioned earlier, had a real breakthrough with her horse with the join-up. So we want to hear about Wooter, too. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll make sure to, uh, to have someone videotape, and uh, I'll be happy to share the results with you. Good, Kate. I want someone to put the GoPro on the horse's brow band. And I want to see, <laughs> no, I want to see join-up from the horse's idea. point of view. The yeah, trouble, that's a great idea. trouble trouble is the horses don't they don't well you just have to see you need three gopros i think around because because they look away when we send them away and then when they come for and i maybe what you're saying is you just want that last moment when they come to you and become velcro angle lens okay there you go i'm just curious to see what we would see i'm just curious (laughs) i think you're right no no i think we're working on vr by the way don't tell anybody but working on some vr (laughs) yeah because i i really do think that's a little bit about what Kate is addressing is you really need to learn it. You need to feel as if you're in it. And some people won't take that first step until they experience that a little bit. And I think if we had a little VR down in there, um, you know, as if you're from Monty's perspective and or the horses, we're working on it. Cool. It's, it, yeah. You, you know, looking in the eye means go away. So that it's a bit of a challenge yeah. to get the <laughs> lens perspective, but, uh, but we're working on it. So, well, thanks Kate. Thanks for sharing. I'm glad you're back safe and you had a good time and the Ipanema um, beach looked awesome and Rio looked awesome and Sugarloaf and all those. Do you have fun over there? You didn't drink too much or anything? No, no, no. <laughs> but it was beautiful. It was beautiful country, and uh, uh, I really enjoyed the experience. And, and thank you for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to share my experience with you. Loved hearing it. And people should go on your Facebook page and see some of those beautiful photos before they go away, too. They're gorgeous. Absolutely. Rio. Yeah. Rio, as they say. I can't even say it without spitting, but there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Kate. Thanks for joining us on Horsemanship Radio. Whisper. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, What do you say to people who have gone down the wrong path and feel guilt? For example, a horse person who has been using harsher training methods. Monty's answer. I say to tell them to take a bath. Everyone makes mistakes. I have tried it both ways. Don't beat yourself up over it. It's counterproductive. Most people who use traditional harsh methods slide into it through peer influence. If it happens to you, walk away. All you need to do is to make the choice, then stand up in front of the mirror and say, I throw it away. If it happens to someone you know, regard it as a privilege that they have seen the light. If someone comes to you for advice, be understanding rather than accusatory. Remember that it takes a good deal of courage to acknowledge the use of violence. One should regard a request such as this an expression of confidence in one's ability to counsel against the use of violence. I recommend that one takes this responsibility seriously and responds with compassion. I regard it as an honor to assist those who wish to seek a better way. I fully realize that we cannot change the world overnight, but that the people that we help are likely to become spokesmen for violence-free training. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, 
and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner or the advanced rider, it doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too on our forum and there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in April 20th. Coming up is the Monty Roberts Germany Tour in Dorsten, Germany, and then April 22, he'll be in Alsfeld, Germany. And he will finish up his European tour April 30th in Hungary, Monty Roberts' Hungary demonstration in Kaspovar. And then he'll jump back to uh, California, where May 13th, we have a night of inspiration with Monty and Pat in California. That's a lot of fun. And July 10 through 21 is our Gentling Wild Horses courses. Woo-hoo! We talked, yeah, that's what we just was telling you about. And July 31 to August 4 is the Monty Special Training, which is a once-a-year happening. And so for all of this, see more at MontyRoberts.com or to call Adam Bates at our office, it's 805-688-6288. Woohoo! Give him a holler. Lots of really cool stuff going on all over the world. That's right. And for details about today's show, you can go to horsemanship.com where you'll find links and photos and more information about today's guests. And we love your feedback. It helps us make this show better. You can follow Monty and the Horsemanship Radio Show on Facebook. Just search Monty Roberts. And if you're one of those people who lives your life 150 characters or less at a time, you can follow Monty on Twitter. His handle is Monty underscore Roberts. And go get the app. You can listen to the shows, all of them, on your I, your Android or iPhone. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. There you will find our app. It's quick and it's free and it's easy to download. Yep, that's the way I do it. I love it. I listen to driving back and forth to the farm. So many thanks to our sponsors, too. IFA.com, Omega Fields, and Monty's Equus Online University. Be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. 